You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today on the Illini Enquirer podcast, let's preview a big matchup between Illinois and Kansas. And no, not on the basketball court. That is coming with an exhibition, the charity exhibition, coming up on October 29th. But no, Illinois versus Kansas football. This was scheduled, I'd say, about a decade ago. uh, And seemed like two programs looking for an equal Power 5 program, maybe to help themselves uh, get a win in the non-conference. Well, this is not an easy game for either opponent as both head coaches here, Brett Bielma and Lance Leipold, have kind of rejuvenated both these long-struggling programs, and now they're both looking to sustain success and get to back-to-back bowl games. This would certainly help either of their causes. We are going to talk with Michael Swain, Fog.net. He covers Kansas really, really well, and he'll give us the lowdown on Jalen Daniels. Is he going to play the star quarterback for Kansas this offense, how does Illinois slow it down when it really struggled to slow Toledo down? And their defense, one of the worst in the country last year, has it taken strides. And what has made Lance Leipold, who won six Division Three national championships at Wisconsin Whitewater, led Buffalo to a resurgence in the MAC before he went to Kansas, was a candidate for the Illinois football job. What's made him so successful, at least relatively, uh, to lead Kansas back to competitiveness? But you look at this game, And if you're an Illinois fan, you can't help but think, man, what do we do? We are the good luck charm for any non-conference opponent that we schedule. Because you look back the last 10 years, Illinois schedules these opponents thinking, hey, these are a nice matchup, maybe a favorable matchup for us. And then it seems like clockwork that whatever is it, 7, 8, 9, 10 years later, when they actually played these games, those teams seem to be peaking. And you just look back at the last, really, 11 seasons, dating back to 2012, uh, Tim Beckman's first year. Louisiana Tech under Sonny Dykes, who's had some success at TCU now. Louisiana Tech came in and crushed Illinois 52-24. to But that was a really good Louisiana Tech team. When you schedule Louisiana Tech, you weren't expecting like Terry Bradshaw uh, kind of offense to be there. Uh, Terry Bradshaw played there. I still remember that from, uh, from that game. Um, but Louisiana Tech was kind of on the upswing. And, of course, Tim Beckman uh, – was a big reason that season just went haywire and, and the program went haywire for the next several seasons. Illinois was able to beat Cincinnati the next year. Uh, lost to Washington. It was kind of the turn of Steve Sarkeesian was the first year when they played uh, at uh, Soldier Field. And then the next year it was Chris Peterson. But Washington was a good team. They became a great team under Chris Peterson making the playoffs just a couple years later. Then they had North Carolina in 2015 and 2016. Illinois got clobbered out at North Carolina 48-14. You get the sellout with Lovey Smith in 2016. And little do we know, a kid named Mitch Trubisky would be pretty good. But North Carolina, pretty dang good. 
that that was a better uh, North Carolina team than before and after it in, in the coming years. And then 2017, you get South Florida. All of a sudden becomes a really good group of five program, one of the best in the country for a couple years there uh, with Charlie Strong after he took a good situation over from uh, Willie Taggart. And then Eastern Michigan, listen, Illinois needs to be Eastern Michigan, but I covered Eastern Michigan early 2010s. I covered Northern Illinois, and Eastern Michigan was just atrocious, one of the worst programs in the country. And in 2019, they were a pretty good program. Chris Creighton uh, gets them to respectability. He's done a phenomenal job there. Illinois still need to beat them, but uh, Lovey Smith and the Illini in a bowl season lost to Eastern Michigan at home. Then you get UTSA, Barry Lonnie Jr. calling that offense uh, their best team ever in 2021. Virginia was pretty loaded in 2021 with Bronco Mendenhall. Then he retires, and they look like a completely different program, and Illinois takes advantage of that last year, and Illinois was just a far better program at that point. But, yeah, it just seems like every time Illinois schedules one of these non-conference opponents, it's going to be a good time for them. So you look at Duke. They just beat Clemson. Mike Elko's done well. Duke has a home-and-home with Illinois uh, during the 2025 and 2026 seasons. And then you're thinking, man, is Missouri going to be turned around by the time Illinois uh, decides to play them when that series renews in 2026? Obviously, Eli Drinkwitz kind of been up and down, a little more down than up in the SEC, uh, but Missouri is the next Power 5 opponent on that schedule. Illinois State is on the schedule in 2028. Next year, Ohio and Western Michigan. I forgot to mention Western Michigan in their great year. P.J. Fleck comes in here and Lovey Smith's first year and just crushes the Illini. So next year, you got Kansas, Central Michigan, Eastern Illinois, 2025, Duke, Ohio, Western Michigan. Then you got Duke and Missouri in 2026, and then Missouri uh, scheduled for, what, four, five, six more games after that. But it's just been interesting to document that over the last 10 years. Okay, later on in the podcast, I will give my five things I'm looking for in this Illinois-Kansas matchup. But next, what has made Kansas a far better program under Lance Leipold? Michael Swain covers Kansas for 24-7 Sports and Fog.net. He joins us next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. This episode of the Illini Enquirer podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever find that just as you're trying to fall asleep, your brain suddenly won't stop talking? Do your thoughts start racing right before bed or other inopportune times? It turns out one great way to make those racing thoughts go away is to talk them through. And therapy gives you a place to do that so you can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some mental and emotional peace. Listen, I've had times in my life, whether it's personal relationships, work, got that thing eating at me, thinking about what's coming up next or the anxiety of all of that comes with it, or even parenting. I deal with that kind of stuff all the time. And therapy empowers you to be the best version of yourself, something that most of us are trying to achieve. It really helps to talk it out and talk it through. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. If you're not vibing with therapists, you can go find another no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts and visit BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Illini today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Illini. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. All right, let's get some insight into the Kansas Jayhawks. And man, Illinois has this knack for scheduling teams 10 years ago and uh, getting them right on the uptick, right at one of the peaks of, of when they're playing well. And it's certainly true with Kansas. Michael Swain, who covers Kansas for 24-7 sports, fog.net, joins us now. And uh, I loved Lance Leipold, did a lot of research on him when Illinois was going through the same hiring mm-hmm. cycle as Kansas. And I, I know Leipold was was one of the guys Illinois was considering. They hire Brett Bielma. It's worked out for, for both of them, but what has made Lance Leipold successful at uh, one of the you know, toughest jobs, I, I think, in the, in the country, yeah. Power 5-wise. Yeah, I think so much of it is maybe who Leipold is as a person. And I think he'd even maybe credit, you know, Brett Bielma for this, where he got hired at Buffalo, didn't have any FBS experience as a head coach, right? He came from the Division three level where he had loads of success, and Bielma really helped him over kind of his first months with the program to learn how to do it. And so I think he's a a coach that's very regimented. We get to go to practice during fall camp. It has been the same first 30 minutes, every single practice that we've seen since Leipold took over. That's what he's about. He's about day-to-day. It's process. It's continuing to hammer away at the same things. And I think that's something that other coaches that Kansas have had, that's just not been what they've done. It's been willy-nilly, kind of all over the place. You change one week, you change another. And for KU, it's about doing the same thing every day. And They've done a really good job of, I think, developing the the talent that was already on the roster. And, you know, Les Miles brought in a lot of high school recruits. KU was in a pretty terrible spot scholarship-wise when Miles took over. So really recruited high schools hard. They have a lot of young talent. And now all of a sudden that's kind of started to develop, and you're seeing a lot of those players now be the guys that are making plays on Fridays or, I guess, first two weeks of the season, Saturday or, or yeah, Friday's first two right. weeks of the season. But it's one of those deals where I think Leipold was a perfect coach for Kansas at the perfect time, and it's really worked out well. It is amazing, the parallels. I mean, both these schools are basketball schools. Kansas much more successful, uh, obviously, at the national level. Uh, but Les Miles, Lovey Smith kind of got some recruits, but maybe didn't develop them all that well. Then you get two developmental guys who've, who've kind of done this well. So what is the identity of, of Lance Leipold's program at Kansas? Yeah, they want to be disciplined and they want to be physical. I think the physicality is something that the coaching staff has really worked hard to implement over the last year because I think everyone knows about KU's really fast start last year, right? 5-0, and college game day. The offense is flying. But over the second half of the season, when KU went up against physical teams like Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas State, they really struggled to match that physicality. And I think – all of this is kind of done in increments where I don't think Lance Leipold came in and from the first day said, this is where we need to be. I think they've taken the slow road and the developmental approach to that. And I think that next step now 
is being physical. And I think that's what Leipold wants to be. And you see KU adding a lot of transfer from Big Ten programs, right? I think at the end of the day, that's what he wants this program to be, an offense that can score with the best of them, but maybe can control the clock a little bit better, a defense that is a bend but don't break, four-man front that has good athletes playing in the front seven, um, but also can hang with some of the offenses that you do see in the Big 12 that'll change as the Big 12 evolves. But I think overall, Leipold wants this program to be a physical one, a developmental program where they take freshmen in, they redshirt, and then they really grow over four years to where they're redshirt seniors playing as kind of 23-year-olds and being an old team. So I think you're slowly seeing that shift happen over time, but it's taken a lot of work, and you got to give the credit to the coaching staff for getting it done that way. Yeah, the one thing Kansas certainly has is quarterbacks. Uh, the, the two guys they have played are, are really talented. I mean, Jalen Daniels, we know, Big Ten preseason player, offense player of the year at Kansas in a league that still has Texas, still has Oklahoma, still has Oklahoma State, like great programs. Uh, yeah. Their guy is the Big 12 offensive preseason player of the year. And then Jason Bean's just come in and been super productive whenever he's done it. So, um Update us, Michael, on what you expect yeah. who to who to play after Jalen Daniels missed, and what does each of them bring to the field, and why are they successful? Yeah, so it's hindsight, right? Is always twenty twenty, and Lance Leipold has provided some more hindsight on Friday night's game against Missouri State, where Jalen Daniels warmed up. If you were just watching a warmups, he looked fine, had some zip on the ball, was still moving around perfectly fine. But it sounds like KU did not want to risk him against Missouri State where if something happens he takes a big hit at some point in time and all of a sudden you're missing him for I think what many would argue is one of the bigger games of the season for Kansas so when Jalen's out there I think he elevates the offense with his confidence and I think as a leader it's really impressive what he's been able to do where for a long time right I think the Kansas program when things start to go wrong it's oh no here we go again and you saw that last year with Jalen Daniels at quarterback where KU goes down 14 to nothing against West Virginia, 14 to nothing against Houston. And they came back and won both of those games because the offense was resilient. And so Daniels brings this leadership quality. The dual threat ability for him is more in between the tackles. He's not afraid to take on hits. He's a willing runner where I think you look at Jason Bean and what he brings athletically is a little bit different where he's more side to side. He'll get up field, but if it comes to it, I think at the end of the day, he's going to want to step out of bounds rather than you know, dip his shoulder into a defensive back. And then in terms of the passing game, I think Daniels is a much more polished passer. He's a lot better at layering throws. And I think when you look at Bean, he's really good at firing in tight windows, really good at throwing it over the top of defenses. But I think you've seen some of his interceptions come on kind of those intermediate routes outside the hashes. And so I think that's where Daniels is just elite. You've seen, if you go watch his highlights from last year, the first five weeks of the season, you're seeing kind of layer throws in between a corner and a safety. And those are the type of things that, you know, Jason Bean just hasn't been able to do. But I mean, being someone that has improved so much since he took his first snap at KU in 2021. So I think regardless of who Illinois fans see on Friday, they're going to see an athletic quarterback, but it's just different profiles and different strengths and weaknesses that I think Andy Koldenreck will try and play to depending on who plays. And for me right now, I think I'd go and say I'd expect Jalen Daniels to play, but look, back injuries are tough. You just don't know. So I, I think I'd say Daniels will start, but I yeah. can't guarantee that. 
Yeah. So Kansas, when I was watching Leipold and his Buffalo teams, uh, and he basically brought the entire Buffalo staff with him, right? Like mm-hmm. they, that offense, I was okay. That that's interesting. I think that can work here. What do they do offensively, Michael? And and obviously besides quarterback, what what do they have personnel wise? Yeah. So much of it is based on motion and creating distortion with the defense. Because look, KU is not at the point where outside of quarterback they can line up and just be better than the opposition i think they're getting that point but i think you look at for example like wide receiver they don't have a lot of guys that are going to go play on sundays but they have guys when put in the right positions they can go out there and make plays and that's i think at the end of the day what this offense is about is about putting those players in positions to make plays and obviously i think every offensive coach will say that but i think the way ku does it is through motion and making sure that the defense is off balance and so much of that comes in establishing the run right you look at what those buffalo teams did they had two running backs that could both individually be thousand yard rushers if they had a whole offense built around them well ku has that in devin neal and then it kind of depends if daniel highshaw is healthy he's that guy they brought in dylan mcduffie from buffalo who coincidentally was a thousand yard rusher when Leipold left so that's where it starts establishing the run keeping the defense off balance and i think the offensive line is kind of that next step right i talked about the evolution of physicality well that's where that next step is going to come from because we're now three years removed from an offensive line that allowed about a little under 50 sacks in nine games right terrible one of the worst offensive lines i've ever seen and that unit is so much better now where you've got guys like kobe baines who um could start for Kansas year in and year out, and he's kind of the sixth guy. And so the offensive line has evolved over time, but I think that's kind of the next step. So I think you put this all together, and it's an offense that's very much about keeping the defense off balance so that the players that KU does have, they can put them in a position right to go and make plays when maybe you line them up one-on-one versus an Illinois corner or you line them one-on-one against a linebacker. I don't know if maybe they'd be able to do it as successfully. All right, so – their problem was an offense last year. The problem was was on the defensive side of the ball. One of the worst defenses yeah. in the country, especially stopping the run. Um, now they've had a year to, to add to add to the transfer portal, all of that. What is kind of the outlook of the defense, and and how much can you actually learn, or how much did you actually learn against Missouri State and FCS opponent in Week One? Yeah, I think that's kind of the challenge, right? Is is balancing what you learn, and I think you know, for me, what I think the biggest part that KU wanted to take a step forward in is the defensive line. Again, this is another part of that transition where 2021, that defensive line was trying to learn how to play a four-man front. They brought in players to play a three-man front, two-gap scheme. So 2021 was just about learn the scheme. 2022 was, okay, you've got more experienced options. A lot of those COVID super seniors, can they just kind of do a job? And now over this offseason, KU's gone out and really tried to add impact players to that defensive line who fit the scheme better, who have the athletic capability that the coaching staff wants from that position. And so you look at the defense as a whole, right? They return their linebackers. They return their corners and safeties. And I think that front four is really where that next step has to come from. Now, I think athletically, the biggest difference, that's the biggest difference I noticed, where those defensive linemen are getting upfield. And yes, it's against Missouri State, right? FCS opponent. But I think that's one of those where you know when you see it still in terms of the athleticism showing, the way guys get off the ball, the way that they're able to split double teams, right? Things like that are what really stood out against Missouri State. And I think this 
defense now if they can continue to do this. And this is why I think the Illinois game is such a big test, right? Because you're going against a really good offensive line. So you're seeing this evolution of this defense where they're hoping that this defensive line being better athletically can then make life a lot easier. Where last year, those linebackers had to go tackle in space in the run game. That's really hard to do, especially when the linebackers you have are more physical guys, maybe not necessarily the most athletic players, right? They've tried to change a little bit of that in the linebacker room, but still a transition period. So I think for me, so much of this season is just defensive line. And they're young. They're redshirt sophomores. They're guys that haven't played a lot of football. But I think over the course of the season for Kansas fans, right, they'll see that progression. But here in week two, this is going to be a really big test to see really where those guys are at. Because if Key goes out there and plays really well defensively, especially along the defensive line against this Illinois team, it's going to bode really well for the rest of the season. And so I think that's why, for me, the trenches are such a fascinating matchup here. Yeah, one of the areas Illinois really want to take a step forward in is the passing game, and that mm-hmm. certainly looked better. Uh, their first week, Luke Altmaier looked fantastic outside of one big mistake. Uh, their wide receiver room's experience got some talent to it. Um, but Kansas, like that that's the strength of their you know, defense seems to be their their secondary with a guy named Kobe Bryant spelled a little differently Jacoby Bryant um but what what do they bring in the back end there yeah so I think Kobe's kind of the the headliner like you mentioned he's a, a ball hawk he's someone that I think over the course of last season he's a guy that's kind of going to be gamble right he's going to flip a coin he's going to take a risk and I think for that defensive back unit it's all about taking that next step right understanding when you can and can't gamble and so when you look at what those guys do, it's going to be some zone, right? Last year, they played a lot of quarters. They tried to keep everything in front of them, and that helped at times. But it's also tougher when you're rushing at defenses, giving up seven, eight yards on the first mm-hmm. snap, and then all of a sudden it's second and short, and then you're put in really tough positions. So they've got really good players there at corner. I think Melo Dotson, someone that has continued to improve at that other cornerback spot. Um, safety, O.J. Burrows is going to play more to the field. He's a really intelligent player. Physically, I'm fascinated to see how he matches up with Illinois because he's much more of what maybe you'd see in the Big 12, right? The old Big 12, if you will. Um, Guys that can play in space, cover. Not the best tackler. And then you look at the boundary side, Marvin Grant, who Illinois fans might remember from Purdue Mm -hmm. a couple years ago. He's now playing boundary safety. And then there's Kenny Logan. So they really return a lot of experience in that secondary. And the hope is that for all these guys another year in the scheme another year all playing together that they'll all have a better understanding of hey this is when i can take a risk this is when i can't and maybe that'll have them be in a better position there's a lot of optimism coming into the season about both teams illinois got into a dogfight with toledo so so maybe there's a little bit more skepticism now but if, if illinois wins this game that's a huge road win at a power five opponent in front of what should be a raucous crowd that seems pretty excited and setting up a, a huge game against a top 10 ranked penn state what does this game mean for Kansas? It's huge. I think you look at this schedule for KU, and it is one of the tougher ones in the Big 12. They still play Texas. They still play Oklahoma. Um, they've got to play Kansas State, and they got to play Texas Tech. If you're looking at the preseason standings, I believe those are the, the top four teams outside of maybe TCU being in there. So they've got a tough Big 12 schedule. And the goal for Kansas this year is make another bowl game. Be a consistent bowl team. That's the next step for this program. And you look at this Illinois game, and, it's a coin flip game, mm-hmm. right? I think if this game was played some random stadium somewhere else in the United States, it'd be probably a pick 'em, probably close to that, I think, maybe one point either side. And so this is a toss up game, and Kansas needs to win toss up games this year to get to bowl eligibility. So I think it's a big litmus test for 
the trenches for Kansas? How is the offensive line going to do against what I think is going to be maybe the best front five, right, that mm-hmm. they're going to face all season? And for KU, how does that defensive line do against one of the better and more experienced offensive lines they'll probably face this season as well? So I think we're really going to learn so much about Kansas, where this program is at and its progression. And it's such a big game just to get to that six-win total because you look later in Big 12 play, right, those wins aren't guaranteed. So Illinois has long called this sleeping giant because of where it is. It's in the Big mm-hmm. Ten recruiting territory. What can Kansas be? What do they aspire to be under Lance Leifold? Well, I think with the evolving nature of the new Big 12, the hope is that given the right year, they can't compete for a Big 12 title. Mm-hmm. I think you look across the new Big 12, who is the Texas or Oklahoma that is going to go and dominate year in and year out? I'd argue SMU's move to the ACC is going to make TCU slightly less attractive in terms of being the only Power 5 school in Dallas, right? So maybe it's not TCU. I think UCF is going to have as good a shot as anybody, right, with the Florida connection and the NIL program they have there. But you're still looking year in and year out. Who are the guys are going to dominate every year? There really isn't a clear option. And so I think over the course of time, I think the goal for Kansas is going to be, you know, maybe once every two three, four years, can they make a Big 12 title game? And therefore, you make New Year's Six Bowls, right? You're able to take that next step as a program where maybe you're one of the better third-tier conference, right? Because that's mm-hmm. where we're headed towards is Big 10, SEC being the top two, and then the Big 12 most likely being the third. So I think for KU, it's about, hey, can you compete for Big 12 titles? And from there, we'll see how the college football playoff evolves over time if the the guaranteed spots still remain and if that happens all of a sudden you're talking about being in the playoff too which is a, is yeah. a huge deal so i think there is plenty of upside for kansas but it's still going to take a lot of work a lot of recruiting and a lot of development for that to happen what's the p- biggest key for kansas to win this game they just got to hold their own in the trenches yeah. I, they can't get pushed around like you saw sometimes last season i think that's really the biggest key because if KU can hold its own you're looking at that offense. I feel like they'll be able to put up points because I think they'll find creative ways to match some of the things Toledo did, right, with motion, distorting the line of scrimmage. I think that's sort of the things they'll try and do offensively. But for me, it's defensively. Just do your best to make Luke Altmaier beat you. And if he does, you just got to hold your hands up. Mm-hmm. But it can't be a balanced offense for Illinois where they're running and then they get five yards and they can play action and try and hit you know Williams deep over the top, right? I think they've just got to hold their own in the trenches, and if they do that – I think they've got a good shot to win the game. Michael, it's big news uh, that Bill Self's returning into Champaign for this yeah. uh, exhibition game. I love it. Uh, I've been calling for Illinois and Kansas to get a home and home here, get Bill Self back. But I think this is the great, great chance to do it. I think we'll be welcomed with uh, open arms now that's been 20 years uh, since he left Champaign. But um, what what do you think about Kansas in that game? And uh, we got we got to get Illinois to fog out, man. I think it'd be a phenomenal game. I'm with you. I Look, <laughs> First and foremost, I love what it's for, right? I think this is something that a lot of more college programs should do, right? These these fun games for relief for other organizations, I think it's great. Uh, I think the matchup's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I think, right, the, the Shannon McCuller Texas Tech yeah. matchup is a lot of fun. I think someone like Hunter Dickinson, you know, kind of really what will be somewhat close to his first game for KU will be in a Big Ten arena where he's played before, I believe. A fan base that loves yeah. Hunter. I, Hunter is oh. so good. He's such a great villain in the Big Ten. And now that he's coming back for an encore to Illinois, oh, it's fan- phenomenal. I love it. And he, look, he's been fun to cover so he's far, great. too. I think he's a great quote. And just I think he's a really intelligent guy. So I'm excited. I'm bummed I won't be able to make it a little bit challenging schedule-wise with the football program. Yeah. But 
I think it's going to be a really fun game, and I agree. I think this is something that should be a consistent home-and-home home because, look, KU's got a, a big alumni base in the Chicago area as well, and I think having a game maybe closer up north would give an opportunity for maybe some more folks to see KU in person, and I think it'd be cool for Illinois, too, to come play in Allen Fieldhouse. So yeah. I'm pumped for it. It should be really fun. Yeah, if you're going to bring the United Center game back, Illinois used to play up there annually. That would be a, go. A, a pretty good one right there. Well, Michael Swain, uh, appreciate the insight, man. I'll see you Friday night uh, for Kansas-Illinois. Huge matchup for both teams. Awesome. Sounds great, Jeremy. Thanks for having me on. Let's take a moment and tell you guys about Homefield. They're a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They feature a growing collection of over 150 colleges to choose from, including, of course, the University of Illinois. Homefield designs are super unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school using unique logos and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. They're all about authenticity and nostalgia. And if you go to homefieldapparel.com right now, you'll see that they did that with their Illini gear. The Script Illinois. It's as good as anything, right? Like they have that there. The ringer T with the orange. Our boy Brad Evans loves that one. The 2005 Illini basketball logo. Oh, that brings back good memories. Or the flying Illini logo from the 80s. I got a flying Illini shirt they sent me. It is awesome. And the other thing about this, I'm telling you guys, they are so comfortable. They're not these boxy tees that itch. They are the form-fitting and soft, comfortable shirts. So give them a look. It's not the typical Illinois gear you usually see. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com where you can see their selection of colleges available. And guess what? Our listeners at Illini Inquirer get 15% off their first order with discount code Illini23. So go to homefieldapparel.com, get 15% off your first order using discount code Illini23. It's the perfect apparel to get you ready for the upcoming season. So check them out at homefieldapparel.com. I'm very excited to announce a new partnership with Underdog Fantasy. We decided to partner with Underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Underdog Fantasy has a lot to offer, including their Pick'em game. In Pick'em, you pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. It's so easy to play. Just pick two to five stats of your favorite players and choose whether they'll go higher or lower. You can more than 20 times your amount of money by going five for five. They also have a best ball mania. If you think you know football, you got to check this one out. This year's best ball mania has 50 million in total prizes up for grabs with the winner taking home 3 million. So sign up today with promo code Illini and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with my promo code Illini to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. You must be 18 plus and present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms apply concern with your play call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ncpgambling.org all right here are my five things i'm looking for for illinois football against kansas and it's hard not to have a lot of this be a reaction to week one and, and i'll talk about our reaction to week one how it makes us think about this game but i do think it's our sample size we have a very small sample size um so we think everything that happened week one is going to happen week two that's certainly not going to be the case and i think there's a lot of value in illinois getting tested you know kansas did not get tested i don't know how much kansas learned about itself last week and maybe they felt good better about their defensive line because it looked more athletic but that wasn't a test missouri state gave them a test in the first half to their credit 14 to 10 at halftime but 
Illinois played a good group of five opponent. Similar to maybe what they'll see this week with Kansas. Maybe Kansas is stronger in certain areas. I think Toledo might be stronger actually on defense. But they got pushed, and they learned a lot about themselves. I don't know if Kansas did. I don't know how much that matters, but it does give you, I think, a real, real evaluation of what you have, what worked, what didn't work, and what needs adjustment. And number one for Illinois is just cut out the self-inflicted wounds. I mean, you got to give credit to Toledo for a good offensive game plan. Their quarterback made big plays that you just can't account for sometimes. But many of the Illini's biggest defensive issues were their penalties. They had 10 penalties for 100 yards. But really, even worse than like the quantity of them was how crucial and how costly just a couple of these penalties were. The three crucial third down penalties that prolong drives. They directly prolong drives. And those three drives led to 110 extra yards and 17 extra points. So Tariq Barnes on sportsmanlike penalty. Taz Nicholson uh, with his third down pass interference uh, that negated uh, you know, what would have been a punt at that point. And then Gabe Ackes towards the end of the game with just a, a boneheaded uh, roughing the passer penalty. All three of those led to points and completely changed the game. Like if the Illini didn't have those three penalties – would have been a pretty decent defensive game. Sure, they would have gained a little bit more rushing yards, but you would have contained them a little bit more. Now, after those penalties, you still didn't play great defense, but you gave yourself a chance on these third downs, getting them to third down, and then all of a sudden, because of your own error, not because of them making a play, they prolong the drive, and it leads to points and all those extra yards. So the Atlanta can't afford to give that to Kansas. Kansas is an explosive offense with talented quarterbacks, uh, and they'll have if they have the same extra opportunities, you can't expect uh, to, to win on the road. So that's easy. Like, and that's usually week one to week two, week three, week four. Like That's when September can be a little sloppy. You're still adjusting. Uh, there's a lot of excitement and um, emotion in week one that maybe you'll settle in a little bit as you go on. But a veteran team, they had a lot of penalties against Indiana last year. They kind of corrected that for the most part moving forward in the season. Though Virginia, they had a lot of penalties. It just didn't end up mattering because they controlled every other part of the game. Number two, control the pace. Kansas actually doesn't run plays that quickly, but their offense is so explosive. Uh, So I think Illinois... The best defense might be to keep the offense off the field. And, you know, look look at these two teams. Illinois last year was number 14 in the country in time of possession, almost 33 minutes a game, while Kansas was 91st in time of possession, under 29 minutes per game. So I think Illinois needs to let Luke Altmaier cook if he's cooking because I think he's efficient. Uh, I think he showed that. I think his legs, uh, his decision-making was pretty good for the most part. Uh, And then he's really accurate and was able to move the chains. So if your run game isn't going – uh, yeah, let Luke Altmaier do those things. But I, I I think Illinois wants to use tempo to its advantage. But in this game, I want to give your defense a little bit of a breather. And you'd really like to get that run game going. You'd really like your offensive line to take a step forward this week. Josh Geske got experience trial by fire in his first start. He struggled at times. Was better in the second half, I thought. Josh Krutz, except for the the last play of where he played right tackle, that was difficult for him. But I thought Geske improved his game going along, especially in the run game. Josh Krutz struggled a little bit in the first half. I, I thought he looked really good in, in the second half. Isaiah Adams, you hope to have him back 
healthy, Zai Chrysler, who's cramping, I would expect him to be back. But you want all those guys to just be better and maybe more time gelling helps them. Last year's offensive line did not have the best start to the season, but they really gelled as the season went along. So I think those reps together during games is going to be really important. And for a guy like Zai Chrysler, who's really playing right tackle for the first time at this level on an island, um, you know, he missed a lot of training camp. So I think these reps are, are really important for him to learn from. But most important thing, establish your identity being the more physical team in the trenches. I didn't think Illinois, the offensive line, was that. So I think that's uh, really important. Kansas' defensive front was one of the worst in the country last year. They were one of the worst in the country at rushing defense, 209 yards. They got some transfers. They've changed the talent up front. They've gotten more athletic. But if Illinois is a Brett Bielema team, you want to establish more of what you are on the ground. I thought Reggie Love had a pretty decent game. Um, I think Josh McCray got better as the game went along. He's that kind of back. I think he gets better as the game goes along, as the defense gets a little more tired. But you'd like to see those guys maybe miss, uh, make a make a defender miss at the second level. But uh, I think they need help from their offensive line. So controlling that pace, not letting this become a shootout, I think is important for Illinois. Now, maybe they have the quarterback to do it, but I still think what you want to do is be a balanced attack, control the pace, uh, and, and make this game a shorter game. Number three for me, win first down on defense is what I'm talking about. Part of the reason Illinois' defensive front wasn't successful in getting to Finn or disrupting the backfield last week is that it really didn't set itself up to pin its ears back and rush the passer. I went back and looked at the stats and went through the box score. Toledo averaged 6.8 yards per play on first down. And the rest of the plays, second, third, fourth down, they averaged four yards per play. Uh, So they were consistently setting themselves up for short conversion opportunities, second and four, third and three, where when you got a guy like Finn, it's really hard to to contain him. So again, I just think you need to be better up front. And I think they got a little bit better as the game went along. Uh, I think they got more aggressive, and I'll get into that. But uh, Illinois did run a lot of D-line rotation. They, you know, said McConnell, Bryce Barnes, 28-29 snaps. Uh, and I think they wanted to do that. I know they wanted to do that because Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, and all those guys were, were chasing Daquan Finn. And I would imagine on a hot night, it's supposed to be high 80s when they kick off, probably going to be a little humid in Kansas City. I would expect them to keep that rotation, and I understand it. But when on first down, get off the field, maybe you don't have to rotate uh, as much as you did last game. I talked to there and Henry. My number four is let the defensive front get after it. And I got to admit, this is not – this is not easy. Like It's not easy to just make that decision when you're playing a guy like Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels might be the best quarterback Illinois plays all year. right? Drew Aller is going to be a really tough test next week, but it's a different kind of quarterback. Jalen Daniels can run all over the field, can throw it downfield. There's just a difference when you got that kind of athlete. Uh, plus, he's a really good passer. So I'm really interested in Aaron Henry's game plan. He clearly was worried about Finn getting loose, so they weren't that aggressive in shooting the gaps. It was kind of more of a two-gap scheme during that game uh, when usually last year they went man-to-man in the back end and then they went one gap scheme get up the field disrupt things and that's where Johnny Newton Keith Randolph Seth Coleman Gabe Ackes are really really good but Henry Henry did make the adjustment went more man coverage and zone in in the second half I thought that allowed the defense to put together some more aggressive pressure packages and while it wasn't always good I thought they were better uh, in the second half, especially against the run game. Uh, their their yards per carry were way down uh, in the second half. Still, I, I think this comes down to even if you play zone and you want to contain on the outside, got to let Johnny Newton, 
get after it. I don't think the read and react is, is his strength. I think it's just disrupting that one-gap scheme. And you got to disrupt Jalen Daniels, and their running back, Devin Neal, are really, really good. So I'm interested to see if they let the, the defensive front, or at least the defensive line, really pin their ears back. And Seth Coleman, Gabe Ackes, or if it's the linebackers, or if it's the safety, as Aaron Henry suggested, all those guys have to be way better and more responsible and reliable in their run fits. You can't have two guys in the same gap, which we saw a lot on film. If the safety does have the quarterback, that safety has to be there. And, and you know, be aggressive in getting into the box when that quarterback is scrambling without many receiving options. So they just need their best defensive players uh, to be more disruptive and, and kind of the vaunted defensive front we expected them to be. The other part, if they are going to be more aggressive – uh, against this Kansas team that can be a big play threat, big strike threat. And listen, I like putting pressure on a quarterback, making him make these throws, but Jalen Daniels can do it. But to be aggressive, you need your safety to be signed. So my number five thing is discipline on the back end. I thought Miles Scott was phenomenal in pass coverage. And it wasn't just the pick six, but that was a good, great read by him, great play by him, and to score completely changed the game. Uh, but Kansas is one of the best big play teams in the country. It had 41 plays of 30-plus yards last year, 25 of those through the air. That ranked number seven in the country. It had 11 plays of 50-plus yards, eight of those in pass. That was ninth in the country last year. So, yeah, this is an aggressive, explosive offense, and Jalen Daniels has a big, accurate arm. And he's got some talented weapons. I, I, don't, I think Illinois might have better receivers, but Lawrence Arnold, six foot three, 200 pounds, really good player, similar to Pat Bryant. So, Miles Scott had a great first game in pass coverage. Illinois has done so well with these free safeties. But if Aaron Henry's going ha- to be more aggressive, run some more man-to-man, your corners have to be better. And there were times when, especially when um, Taz, or Tyler Strain was out of the game, he had to get Elijah McCantos in, that some of those man matchups didn't go well for Illinois. But you got to make sure those are 15-yard gains, maybe 22-yard gains rather than 35, 40, 50. Uh, and going for a touchdown. So that's where Miles Scott, that deep free safety, comes into play uh, so much because Kansas is going to score. They're going to have some big plays. Um, they're talented. It's good offense. But make them put together long drives uh, to score points. That opens up chances of mistakes, whether it's penalties, whether it's turnovers. So that's uh, the last key for me going into this game. I don't have a great feel for this. Like Because Illinois struggled in week one, I'm almost more in on them, <laughs> if that makes sense. Because I thought Toledo might be a little bit easier, not easy of a game, but just I thought they'd control it a little bit more. And I think it maybe a loss would have opened up their, their eyes a little bit more, but I, I think that game really opened up their eyes. That, hey, we haven't made it. We haven't arrived. And we're the underdog going into Kansas. I like that underdog mentality for this team. I like how Brett Bioma gets them to go on the road. But this Kansas team, based on what we saw in week one from Illinois, they can exploit what we saw of the issues of Illinois. So I, I I think I was really encouraged by the Illinois offense for the most part. I know the the run game and the offensive line maybe didn't get going, but I just trust that's going to happen. I do think the defensive front will be better for Illinois, but I think this is a huge game for Aaron Henry. Huge test for Newark secondary again, and a huge test for a defensive front that struggled week one. So I just think it's a toss-up game. Uh, my prediction before the season was 31-28 Kansas. I probably won't change that in our preview and picks, but I, I don't I don't have a great read on this, and that's what's fun about early in the season. But I do think the early test for Illinois might give them a better chance, like being pushed like that 
by Toledo might be good for them heading into this game. All right, thank you for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Give us a follow, rating, and review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube. Hit the like button, subscribe to us, hit the notifications bell as well. Everybody have a great week. Enjoy the game on Friday night, and we'll talk to you afterwards right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.